All right, everybody. So welcome back to another episode. Uh, today we are tackling our top five favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Uh, this was tough because it's hard to distinguish between Leo movies and Leo roles. Because if it was a Leonardo DiCaprio role list, then I could totally see my list being shaken up pretty well. Uh, for instance, I, I I didn't put What's Eating Gilbert Great on my list of favorite I. movies. Yep. But, I mean, honestly, I think that would have been my number one Leo role. Because that's what got him started. That was his, That was that first key role for him. Because he was kind of like a child actor. Yeah. Um, but that was like the first role where – and it's – like that's a widely known thing is the movie wasn't great, but he was just incredible. Um, he, he I killed. saw it uh, saw a long time ago. We had to watch it for like a psychology class in high school for whatever reason. And he was so good in it. But the movie, I honestly, I thought the movie was kind of trash. But yeah, I mean, I thought I, I enjoyed Johnny Depp in it. I thought the story, it wasn't really like one that captured me. Sure. Because it, it was kind of just like a weird family to begin with. And, you know, it didn't, nothing really captivated me with it. But Leo in that movie, I mean, for him to be so young and have to play that kind of role. Mm hmm. It was really impressive, and I think that's why it, it would have been number one on my list of roles. But uh, before we get into our list, as usual, if you've listened to us before, we like to talk about uh, things that we've seen recently that maybe have piqued our interest and we want to share with one another. So I'm going to ask you first, are there any maybe recent trailers, movie news, anything like that that's kind of sparked your mind recently? No trailers, but I did watch... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood over the weekend. Okay. I didn't know it was still, because it, when it first came out, I wanted to see it, never got around to it. And um, when Audrey was up here, we went with my brother and his girlfriend. We went, we were just trying to go see a movie. And we thought about 1917, but kind of after talking to you and then kind of reading more about it, it didn't seem like a movie that I'd go watch for entertainment. Right. As great as a movie as it is, and clear, I mean, it gets as far as cinematography and more the more technical aspects of a movie, it gets rave reviews. Um, so, but not necessarily in the mood for that. And we saw that it was still playing once upon a time in Hollywood was. Um, I liked the movie a lot. I enjoyed it, but it was strange. It was strange, and it was probably a good choice to go see 1917 because that's kind of that's not really a date night movie. It is, but, no. but yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I, I enjoyed it too. I thought it was weird. It was definitely Quentin Tarantino directed it. You could tell that right One, away. Uh, but I, I didn't know that it was loosely based on a real story, you know, with yep. Sharon Tate and the, yeah. and the Manson uh, family murder. But I, I thought it was good. I thought Spoiler in alert. that movie, Brad Pitt was the key actor. Like he, I, For me, he made that movie enjoyable. Yeah, I know Leo was the lead, and he did a good job, but I agree with you 100%. Brad Pitt, to me, looking back on that movie, I felt like it was more about him than it was about anyone else. Yeah, for for me, like, Rick Dalton just wasn't, like, a great character that I enjoyed. No. 
I, I I much enjoyed Brad Pitt over Leo in that movie, but that's not to say that he did a bad job playing that character because yeah. I watched a clip on YouTube of Quentin and Leo sitting down and they were talking about the scene where he's in the trailer getting ready to go on a set. Yeah. And the way that Quentin said that he wanted it and the way that Leo did it was just, it was spot on. So, I mean, it's not a knock against Leo, but, no, and no. Then, but Brad did a great job and it shows cause I, was it the Academy Awards or the Oscars? He won the yes, Oscars. Oscars. He won. Yeah. And it, it was just, there were a lot of, it was hard for me to follow because like from the jump, one of the, I didn't even look into the movie before I watched it besides the trailer, which is strange for me. Usually I love to do my research, but I kind of just went and like from the jump, I knew I was there. Okay, this is kind of like the Manson clan type thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it would go away from that for a while, and they would kind of just get back into a typical ho- old school Hollywood movie, and then kind of come back in. And I just felt like it was such a long road to get to what the ending was. And I thought yeah. the ending was very good. And I was getting towards the end. I was like, wow, this has been, as far as violence, a very mild quentin tarantino movie <laughs> very yeah. mild just kind of just a regular old movie and it then you know it got hot there at the end um but no that was i enjoyed it a lot i thought brad pitt was great margot Robbie was really good leo ever yeah all the actors really good um strange but i would definitely recommend uh recommend that for a watch yeah i saw that in theaters and uh uh, I agree. For it for it to end the way that it ended, it did take a long road to get there. But yeah. I feel like I mean that's how it is with Quentin Tarantino too. I mean, not that he drags things out, but he he takes he makes sure there's a lot of detail in in everything that leads up to the ending. You don't get comfortable in any of his movies in a good right. way. Right. You, there is because I feel like there are so many directors like Martin, Martin Scorsese when he does a mob movie you know what's coming and they're great movies i love them but you're comfortable at this point following along and kind of predicting how the movie's going to go right but with quentin tarantino you you have no idea <laughs> yeah and you i think that's always why... on the edge of your seat and like sometimes you miss some details because you're overlooking everything just waiting for that next twist um but again, I think that's just because he's really good at what he does. Yeah, we're gonna ha- we're definitely gonna have to do a Tarantino episode. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need some time to prepare for that. And and one thing that I'm really starting to notice now is I have done myself a grave disservice of not watching more movies in my life because mm. as I go in and we did our our top fives and I hadn't seen any of the ones in yours and almost none of your honorable mentions. And when I was looking at these, I was like, wow, Leo's been in a ton of movies. And I haven't seen a lot of them and a lot of ones that I really want to see. I told you I was going to make it. And I tried as soon as Aldrey got here, I said, we're going to watch inception this weekend. We didn't um, <laughs> because that's a movie that I want to see so bad, but Anyway, um, yeah, I, I've seen and I've certainly seen enough to make a really good list because it's, it's very easy because he makes movies. 
And it's it can be tough to distinguish was it a good movie or was it a good Leo character because he's just so good sometimes. Right. Um, but there are definitely certain movies where he was clearly the only bright spot in what was otherwise a disappointing film. But um, that's neither here nor there. So you want to – do you want to do – okay, now we'll do – We'll do some honorable mentions when we get towards the top of this list. We'll just we'll dive in right now. You want you want me to go first? Or you want to go first? You go first. You go. I'll first. take the lead. So I, I mean, as you were saying, you know, I, I counted up. Technically, he's been in thirty three movies. Jesus, and of, he's not of, that old. No, he's not. But of those thirty three, about six or seven were just. He was voicing over. He was like the narrator. So I mean, uh, that leaves yeah. that leaves about like twenty six, twenty seven movies still. But yeah. I've only seen fourteen of those movies. So that's so that still leaves that that still leaves a good list uh, to watch later on. But so once again, this was a hard list to make. But starting off, my number five uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie is The Departed. He plays mm-hmm. he plays Billy Costigan. We've we've talked about this movie before. We've done a full length episode on it, um, so I'm not going to go into great detail. But uh, just the movie as a whole is is enough to make an honorable mention in our top five favorite movies list. But his, his the way that he interacts with all the different characters in this movie, and for him to basically play two roles because he has to play the role of the undercover cop and he has to play the role of uh the criminal in frank costello's gang yeah so it's kind of like he has to double dip along with matt damon because he does that too but yeah number five is the departed uh like i said this was really hard to make because uh i had to go back and forth with a lot of the movies on the list i've seen because like you said earlier, it's just in every movie, he makes an impact. And I think that's why he's such a good actor and yeah. why why we're taking a whole episode to talk about him. Yeah, uh, 100%. I, I definitely agree with that. The Party was such a great movie. Um, you know, I have a feeling that last time we had no overlap on our list, we might have quite a bit um, here. At number five, I'm going to go with one of my favorite movies of all time. It was on my top five list, and that's Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. Again, a movie that kind of flew under the radar, even though it had some star power. I mean, Tom Hanks and Leo, two of my favorites. Um, and obviously, I love the story behind it, but Leo did such a good job. He was perfect for that role because he looked so young anyway. And right. that was that was kind of the point, you know what I mean? Um he did such a good job in that and just kind of blending the that's such a hard role to play because he's still a kid but in order to do all the all these things that he had to do he had to impersonate pilots doctors <laughs> lawyers but he's a 17 18 year old kid you know what i mean like that is to me one I'm still blown away by the story, but he did such a great job in that movie. Um, and kind of 
not outshining Tom Hanks, but, you know, sometimes when you get two really strong actors in roles like that, yes, they're complimentary, but you're always going to kind of have that kind of that fight for the top spot. Because one of them right. obviously is a supporting character, but they're both always going to kind of overpower each other. And I think that the movie was so good because they avoided that for the most part. But to me, Leo kind of stepped above Tom Hanks in that movie. And that's hard to do because he did a great job as well. Well, and I think another thing is if, if you look in his repertoire of movies, he does, he takes a lot of roles where he plays someone who has actually lived. Yeah. You know, and so on my, on my list, I have other, uh, roles like that but i mean he's done uh i guess not the great gatsby even though it's based on the book character right wolf wall street the revenant uh the aviator catch me if you can yep i mean it's pretty impressive but yeah so catch me if you can number five that's a good one yep. uh moving to my number four i've got the wolf of wall street mm-hmm where he plays Jordan Belfort. And once again, it was a movie where I, I didn't really know that it was based on a real person. The first time I watched it, I was like, wow, like <laughs> that was a crazy ass guy. And then, you know, uh, I, I did my research and I found out that it was Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. But I love that movie so much. I, I've seen it a bunch of times. Uh, I love Jonah Hill in it too. But it's just another one of those movies where he plays a character that's based on real real life, but he just brings it to life so well, especially on screen, because that's sometimes hard to do, especially uh, with someone like that, someone so eccentric like that. Yeah, it'd be just because one one of the issues that I think so many actors struggle with when it comes to playing in a true story. And sometimes you don't have, you see a lot of the times in those movies, they don't have big name actors, Mm -hmm. obviously depending on how big the story is. And with Jordan Belfort, I mean, that was an enormous story at the time. So it was easy to draw someone in, but because it kind of sticks you in a tough spot and in a box, so you can only do so much. Some actors thrive on basically making that character themselves. But you can't do that when you're playing a character like Jordan Belfort, Frank Abagnale, Catch Me If You Can, the character in The Aviator, because you can only do so much. Those are three very different people and very quirky people. Yeah. So in order for him to make it his own while still staying in that box is just incredible. I think that's why it's very admirable when you get an actor who can pull off a movie like that really well because it's not like they can they have free range with what they think that character can be like you have to go by the by how they live their own lives but i mean it's i mean it's very it's very method actor because i don't know if you watched this uh netflix documentary on jim carrey when he played andy kaufman i think it's called jim and andy yeah, but I mean, he got lost in that role. Like he was, he he got to the point where he didn't know when he woke up if he was Andy Kaufman or if he was Jim Carrey. Right, and and that's pretty crazy. But I mean, I don't think Leo ever had that problem. But that just goes to show that like you you have to play it as if 
they were still alive or if they were filming all the uh, all of it while it was happening when the actual person was doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. So, so, move, got, so uh, what yeah, Wall so, Street, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I am, at number four, I'm going with The Aviator. Okay. So, another real-life role movie. Yeah. Um, again, he does these, these so well, but I'm a sucker for, re, for a true story. Um, yeah. And, again... Not only is he playing a real person, he is playing an incredibly eccentric personality. Yeah. Howard Hughes, for lack of a better term, he was a nut. I mean, he had, <laughs> he was as quirky of a person as you could come up with. And he was kind of that first typical Hollywood character. But he was brilliant in such a strange way that no one could really understand at the time. And I, before even reading anything about Howard Hughes, I watched the movie. And then afterwards, I would go and I'd read articles and I'd read biographies and things like that. And I was like, you know, I felt like I got such a great idea of who that character was from Leonardo DiCaprio. It was kind of like a history lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And it was entertaining. I thought the movie itself was very good. Not incredible, um, but again, it's one of those things where the story was pretty incredible, the story of his life, um, some of the people that he was involved with. There's just so much history in that, um, which is one of the reasons it attracted me at first, but it's he did such a good job of making you understand every aspect of Howard Hughes. Because it would have been so easy for a character to go in there and just play this incredibly quirky, eccentric character, which he was. But there are so many different sides, just like anybody. There's so many different sides of them. And how he interacted with different people, how he interacted with strangers or his relationships that he had. It was it was a really interesting movie. And yes, he did a great job of just acting, as he does in all of his roles. But he did a great job of portraying him and telling his story beyond what was in the script. You know what I mean? Just his personality and his persona was just, it was perfect. Yeah, so Catch Me If You Can and The Aviator both didn't make my list. But (laughs) it's not a knock against those movies because I've seen both of them and the aviator was pretty long, but it kept me interested the whole time, yeah. but it, it, it never really gripped me. Like I think the way that it gripped you, yeah. uh, like afterwards you, you researched a lot and I, like you, I didn't know who Howard Hughes was before watching that movie, yep. but I mean, those two movies are, are great movies. And I think with Leo, I mean, he gets a lot of praise for taking on really strong roles yep. because it, it's in a lot of his movies, you know, a long time people always wanted him to get an Oscar, and he had a lot of, and a lot of movies where he could have. I mean, it wasn't until The Revenant that he got it, yeah. but I mean, we're talking about some really great roles before then. And I think The Revenant, what was that, 2015, 2016? Yeah, very recent. Very recent. So, I mean, that, that just speaks miles to him, too. But so, yeah, Catch Me If You Can and 
the aviator didn't make my list, but my number three was really tough, <clears throat> really tough because my number, my number one was no dispute. And if you see my, if you've listened to the last episode, you probably know it's coming, but number three, number two is tough because in one movie, he plays the main character. And then the other movie, he plays a supporting character, but his, his time on screen as a supporting character is just absolutely nuts. I mean, he just takes control. But with that being said, my number three favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movie is Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Plays... I've never seen it. Oh my gosh. I know. He plays, I know. He plays uh, Teddy Daniels, but it's just, I, you know how you like uh, movies based on true stories? Yeah. I love movies with a twist. Okay. And this movie is just, I mean, the ending just leaves you with your mouth open. So if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you because I do want you to watch it and it should be added to the list of movies you haven't seen. But um, yeah, Shutter Island, it it also has Mark Ruffalo in it. Um, They play detectives at an insane asylum and they're trying to uh, find an escaped prisoner. Uh, on the uh, on the island that they're quarantined on, but um, he plays a detective, and the ending is uh, is pretty crazy. I hate that I can't say it because I was hoping that you'd seen it, but I'll we'll we'll wait for another episode. So let's hear what your number three is. Well, <laughs> after hearing my number three, I think you're gonna start to sense a pattern. And if you've listened to any of the other episodes before, my number three is J. Edgar. Wow. Yes. See, that's one that I haven't seen. Another one based on a true story, based on a real person, based on an incredibly strange and famous person. And this one, I think it was well-received by critics and, at the box office, but it doesn't necessarily get thrown into the hat on most people's top movies. Shake um, up the list a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, you know, falls through the cracks and it's based on J. Edgar Hoover. Um, his time as director of the FBI. I won't get into too much of a history lesson, but just another, such a strong personality and an interesting personality and so multifaceted that after watching the movie, I don't think there was any other actor on the planet who could have done that. Just because you had, in order for him to show, to have that strength and that shield around him while also being incredibly vulnerable to certain people, certain relationships is just, it's hard to fake. You know what I mean? And, Jager Hoover was an incredibly complicated person. If you want to dive into him, I recommend it. I recommend watching the movie. I think that you don't even have to. It's another one of these movies where you don't necessarily have to research him. I think if you watch the movie, that's enough of a history lesson for you to appreciate the acting and appreciate the story. Um, It's just one of those movies where you just, to me, I love... I love history. I love true stories, but I also love when it doesn't feel like a history lesson. As much as I enjoyed The Aviator, it did feel like a history lesson. 
Jay Edgar. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when you were in school, and the teacher would reel in the the TV on the cart stand, you would get excited. Oh, I'd raise hell, man. <laughs> that was that was my time. I love that, especially they put on a little something about Abraham Lincoln, a little something about Civil War. <laughs> mm. No, but I, I mean, I I agree too. I mean, when you can take something away from a movie but enjoy it at the same time. Right. I mean, that's going to leave an impact on you. And, I mean, when learning is fun, that's when learning is at its best. And, I mean, I don't mean to sound like a uh, <laughs> elementary school teacher. <laughs> but, I mean, when you get a movie like that where afterwards you're like, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're like, wow. I mean, that's really fascinating. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just. And it's from a movie. It's from a film. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty and cool. And you're learning about the role that J. Edgar played as well as the person. And I think that's yeah. equally as important, considering he was a a public figure, a government figure, very influential government figure. Um, and to kind of understand the story behind him, as well as the role he played in shaping the country, is is pretty impressive. Um, well, now let me really ask you this. Yeah, let me ask you this. Because you are such a fan of of movies like that. How do you draw the line between what's real and maybe what's Hollywood? I mean, how how do you really know? What do you mean, like within the movie? So, so take let's take for instance, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Okay. Obviously, he was able to pose as different professions and be on the run that long. But I mean, how much do you think of that was real, and how much do you think of it was made for Hollywood? Well, um... or in any of the other movies that you've said so far i've listened to a ton of speeches and interviews of the real frank abigail for catch me okay. and yeah there is very openly there are some parts that are exaggerated there's no blatant lies and that's when i really don't like movies like this there are some that are kind of sort of based on a true story but really is very shallow. I don't right there. I can certainly appreciate kind of dulling it up a little bit to make it more interesting, make it more entertaining because it's, it's a movie at the end of the day. If you want to go and have nothing but facts, you can go read about it or you can watch a documentary or something like that. But I can, I certainly can appreciate as long as, the core facts are still there. If you want to create composite characters, you want to add in some different effects or some different scenes, I am all for that. Make the movie as entertaining as you can, as long as the spine is still there. See, I think that that kind of runs into the same problem as uh, having film adaptations of books. Right. Because you get people who are like diehard fans of the books and they get so pumped to see the movie and then it ends up being nothing like the book. And so I was just trying I was just trying to pick your mind as sure. to like if if that has ever happened, maybe not in Leo movies, but has that ever happened into a movie that you knew you knew was based on a true story but ended up being just blown way out of proportion? <laughs> it has. No, I can't think off the top of my head. There is one in particular and I guess this is how much I hated it. I just blocked it from my memory. But <laughs> I can't think of it. But there was one that after, like, I forced myself to watch it. But then afterwards, I was like, that was horrendous. Like, that was just such a disservice. Because then you look it up 
and you find the major scenes, the major <laughs> facts are all wrong or yeah. are just are based in truth, but are so twisted up that when you break it down, you compare both of them. It's two completely different stories. I really don't like that. And that doesn't mean it's not a good movie. It may be a great movie, but just don't portray it to be something that it's not. That's my biggest, just because it can be related to a certain story, but as long as it, you, it could be based on true events. I think when it's something like that, I can certainly appreciate it. But if you're going to really market it as this is based on a true story, this is what happened. And then you go and you twist so many different things up. And that's, that's not to say when you're going from a book to a movie, that is really hard because a book is so much longer and so much more detailed and it doesn't have pictures of the characters because you will come up when you're reading a book and you fall in love with that book, you come up with pictures of the characters in your head. Mm. But then all of a sudden when they cast those characters and the way they act or the way they talk, all of a sudden it isn't what you thought it was. I think they ran into that a lot with the hunger games movies. Okay. I've read the hunger games books when I was like 13 or whatever. And I saw the I movies. I thought the movies school. were good too. And I thought they did a pretty good job from whenever I remember of keeping it relatively close to the book. But again, if you really fall in love with the books and the story and the characters, you're not creating, you're not casting and you're not creating those nuances. Those are up to the actors and directors. So (laughs) it's not going to be the same. So I think that it can be a fine line um, without kind of getting way too off topic, but it does kind of relate because you can do the same thing or you can't really do the same thing when it's based on true story. What happened, happened, what the characters look like, what the characters look like and how they acted, how they acted. Then it goes up to how good are they going to be scripting it, casting it and how good are the actors going to be and how well they're going to stick to the plan. So what I think you said about being based on a true story versus being based on true events is spot on because recently I watched a movie called the Red Sea Diving Resort and it was about uh, uh, Muslim refugees crossing from uh, Sudan into Israel or leaving Sudan to migrate to Israel. Right. And the whole time the Red Sea Diving Resort was a real place, but the characters involved with it in the movie weren't. But at the end, or I mean, in the beginning, it said based on true events. And so after the movie, I looked it up just as I always do when it's based on something that really happened. And it turned out that the characters that they were talking, that they were talking about had nothing to do with the actual story. Yeah. And so, but, but I wasn't like upset. I wasn't like, Oh, how, how could they do this? I mean, how, how could you say that this really happened when these people didn't exist? But (laughs) since it was based on true events, I was like, okay, you know, I, I really, appreciate what they did with this movie yeah. and if you haven't seen that movie you should check it out because it was actually pretty good it's got chris evans in it and it's got uh michael huisman i think is how you mm-hmm. say his name he's the guy who uh played in haunting of hill house he was like the older brother oh okay yeah i mean it's just but again when it's 
there are certain times when you want to tell a story, especially when you get into old history, a lot of religious Mm -hmm. movies and things like that. You don't know one. You don't know if these characters existed, but you also don't know. You know that this place existed and it is widely believed that an event happened, but you don't know the characters, but you can't just make a movie that has a bunch of blank faces. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, based on true events, or based on historical evidence or something like that I can certainly appreciate it It just it it all comes down to just represent be honest with what you're representing right and so uh, so let's get back on track yeah Yeah, kind of went on a tangent there that's okay I mean that's what podcast is for that's right but um, before we get to the number two because I feel like you probably already know what my number one is so I want to keep you yeah, hanging on the edge a little bit. Let's go ahead and do some of our honorable mentions. Okay, and I'm going to start with Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond, never seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it. So he plays a South African mercenary, and he uh, he's basically looking for rare diamonds and rare gems. And there's this uh, colony, and this man finds like the holy grail of diamonds, but uh, one of the uh, like tribes comes and like you know how, how African countries are portrayed in the movies you know there's yeah. guerrilla warfare and things like that so they come in and they try to kill everybody and get the diamond and so Leonardo DiCaprio and that guy team up and they're trying to like cross borders in order to make a profit off of this diamond and uh, but it's it's really good it's an action movie and uh, it's got some big names in it. It's got Leo. I think Jennifer Connelly's in it too. Um, she plays kind of the love interest slash journalist. But it's it's a really good movie. You should check it out. Uh, it came out in two thousand six. Um, but he plays Danny Archer. It's it's a really good movie. It keeps you on your toes, and uh, the ending's really really moving too. It's got a really good story to it. Okay, that's because <clears throat> I was doing a little bit. I kind of, when I was making this list, I came up with the ones that I knew that I had seen. And then I went in, I just kept listing movie after movie after movie. I was like, I can't believe that I haven't seen these movies. And that was one of them because I knew that it was so well received and not necessarily an iconic movie, but definitely one that I need to put on the list to watch along. I think that list at this point is like 25 movies deep. Yeah. Um, definitely. Need, definitely. Um, my first honorable mention is going to be uh, The Departed. Love it. This could have, without a doubt, made it into my top five. Um, <clears throat> I think part of the reason is we just talked about it so in-depth not that long ago that maybe my passion isn't so fresh for it, even though it's a great movie and a great role. Um, <clears throat> it Again, it just comes back to he's able to do so many different things. And he's it's almost as if in all of these roles when he's telling the different sides of each character he's like three different people yeah and that's what's impressive that he can keep it all together um again this is one of those movies that based on true events not necessarily based on a true story a lot of these characters are composites but still nonetheless you are working within a bit of a box because 
the character was what it was. Um, so yeah, he did. That was a really good role for him. Just see, I I forgot to even mention that he had the role as the client or as the patient with the therapist, yeah, or with the psychologist. Yeah, I forgot to mention. I mean, that's basically he had uh, the criminal, he had the undercover, and he had the real Billy Costigan when he was talking to his uh, psychologist. Yeah, and it's and that is an underrated part of his character because that was for pretty much most of the movie, the only physical connection between him and Sullivan was that the therapist. Mm -hmm. And then obviously towards at the end, it all blew up, but the only connection between the two was her. And I think that that was a little bit of foreshadowing, but um, definitely an underrated part of that character. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to that episode, please go check that one out. That one's that was really fun. I think that was our first one, wasn't it? It was. That was our first uh, podcast talking about The Departed. We took an in-depth look at it, kind of made some notes on it, and talked about it. So if you haven't checked it out, go listen. It would mean a lot to us. But um, getting back to the list, I wanted to mention that I'm very surprised that your top or your first three on your list were all based on a true story or based on true events. Sorry? I mean, I know that you love movies like yeah. that, but for them to only be about four or five of them, Leo, I didn't think that there would be that many. So yeah, I, thought that I didn't even plan for that to kind of work out. It's just when I started making my list, I was like, That's, that is interesting that I do have an inherent bias towards those type of movies. So maybe I can appreciate the acting in those a little bit more. Um, because I do think that it presents very unique challenges that we've talked about throughout the podcast um, that a lot of actors don't do a great job of, and they just kind of fall back on just who that person is. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and, and it's a very, it's difficult to do. I do lean towards his movies a little bit, but yeah, I just think that they're iconic stories but iconic roles as well. So uh, my next honorable mention is going to be Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I remember watching this in high school for the first time. We sat down and watched it in my English honors class. It was in Miss O.C.'s class, and it took about two days because I think it's kind of a long movie. But even though like it's just a tried-and-true story of Romeo and Juliet, there's kind of a freshness about it because it wasn't your typical set in Italy, you know, Montagues and uh, Capulets. It was in like Venice Beach, California. It was like a totally different vibe to it. And I thought it was interesting that it was the Shakespearean dialogue, but in a modern setting. Right. And it's, it's very cool. I don't Have you seen it? I believe I watched it in high school. But it was an English class, so how much I actually watched. Let's see. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, it, it's it's really cool, and it's not like a, a like a astonishing role by Leo, but I just remember that it it kind of struck a chord with me whenever I was younger, <laughs> and it was something that like we watched it the first day, and then the next day I was like ready to get to class because I knew we were going to finish it. Yeah, and, and it's and again, it's one of those where. Everyone knows the story of Romeo and Juliet, and you read about it through from kindergarten up. Some adaptations, and 
it kind of brings it to a point where familiar you're familiar with the character but then you're bringing an actor that you're also that you connect with so it kind of ties that all in and kind of freshens it up for you and, and makes it a little bit um you connect to it a little bit more than you exactly. if you're reading the play and it was kind of like starting to get to like the height of of all of his hype you know yeah. it was like it was right around i don't know if it was before or after titanic but it was like leading up it was like in the the late 90s where he was like really catching fire yeah yeah <clears throat> one honorable mention i have i think we'd be and i guess i haven't seen i haven't heard your number 2 and you haven't heard my two or one but i'm going to go an honorable mention titanic um, yeah, that was going to be my next one. Uh, okay. Your next honorable mention or your next? Yeah, honorable mention. Honorable okay. mention. Um, iconic role, iconic movie. I like the movie a lot. I like the role a lot. Just wasn't my type of movie. Yeah. Just, you know, um, and <laughs> based on a true story again, but, or loosely. true events. Loosely. True <laughs> events. True events. This, exactly, another perfect example of true event, and they didn't portray it as based on a true story. The ship and the the wreck happened. Obviously, we know that. But could something like this have happened? Sure, you have a ton of people, and you might have relationships and things like that. But yeah, iconic movie, iconic soundtrack. Um, Celine Dion. Celine Dion. That's, that's out of prime. Um, yeah. So. Not on my top five, not on yours, but certainly an iconic movie, iconic. Uh, I've actually, have you heard the conspiracy theory that <laughs> Jack was made up in Rose's mind? I think that's certainly possible. I wouldn't necessarily call it a conspiracy theory, but is that or is kind of like fan fiction? Without yeah, okay, is? maybe a fan theory. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I. If you if you want to break it down to the real events of what you're going through in that type of situation, it is entirely possible that she has some sort of mental break, and that and her mind and body dealing with that situation. Now, I think if that would have been thrown into the movie, like you know how in movies where like it turns out that someone wasn't there the whole time, they go back and show the scenes where like they're really just there talking to themselves. Yeah. That would have been such a huge twist at the end, especially especially in the French girl scene. Like, what if she was just laying, laying there naked, just waiting for someone to paint her? But no, I mean, so I, I think hey, that I mean, Titanic, we've, all, we've all been there, but. <laughs> so I think the Titanic kind of gets a stigma as like a chick flick, but yeah. it's actually like a really good story. Yeah, like, Obviously, it's about two lovers, and I mean, uh, that's got Chick Flick written all over it, but uh, I think that the way that they wrote the story and the way that they wrote about the connection and how, like, it wasn't until they got on the ship that they knew each other and how it was just kind of, like, long-lost love found at a at a really terrible time and, like, their fates just weren't meant to be together. Yeah. But, I mean, overall, I think it's a really great movie, and, I mean, that I think that could have been his first Oscar for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. But so enough with the honorable mentions. It's time to get down to the nitty gritty. Yep. Would you like, I'll, I'll keep going. I'll do my number two. All right. So 
My number two, as I mentioned before, it's not a movie that he was in the whole time and he plays a supporting character, but he kills it anytime he was on screen. My number two is Django Unchained. <laughs> yep. He plays, uh, I forget his first name, but he plays Candy of Candy Farms. Yep. He owns the love interest of Jamie Foxx's Django. I love all the characters in this movie. Literally all the characters. Christoph Waltz is great. Uh, Leo's great. Uh, Jamie Foxx is great. Samuel L. Jackson is great. I mean, just such – and it's such a good story. And it's a Quentin Tarantino movie, so you know there's violence. Yep. The, <laughs> the last fight scene is just absolutely ridiculous. But we're talking about Leo. So, I mean, from the time that he's introduced to the end of the movie, I mean, he just takes over. Anytime he's in the scene – I mean, he just, he takes command. And I think that's why he, he's just, he's always going to be the number one in the movie. Yeah. And like you said, even in a movie where he's going up against Tom Hanks, yeah, like he steals the show. And it's in, in Django. Um, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, yes, he's not the main character, but the movie, not only does he make the movie, but it's, that movie is not, it's nothing without that character. Right. So, yes, it isn't there the whole time, but that movie's nothing without that character. And this this is also one that, even if we talked about roles, top five Leo roles, it still probably would have been either on my list or high up on my list. Yep, absolutely. I agree. So, number two for me is going to be The Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Um, just... Love it. Obviously, we talked about it um, with you at number four. Just a great movie. Um, incredible story. I mean, that what a life yeah. we lived. And the attention to detail, again, it's one of those things where did everything that happened in the movie actually happen? No. But did the major events? Yeah. Like that yacht scene? That 100% happened. Like there's video, there's like helicopter video from police choppers. Of the yacht going down. <laughs> Did he swim back onto the boat to get his drugs? I don't know. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, things like that, I'll let it slide. Um, who knows? I mean, the dude was a fiend, but that was that was such a good role. Uh, there were a lot of good uh, roles in that movie. Margot Roby was really good. Jonah Hill was really good. <laughs> They were just that was a really good movie. Almost made it into my top five last week. Um mm. but what I mean just did a really nice job. Long movie too. He was on, yeah. on camera a ton. Um yeah, he he did a great job in that. And that was he makes almost every movie he's in, but that one that is one that could have gone sideways with the wrong leading character. Because yep. the story is so unbelievable, even though it's true, it's just so wild that it could have easily just turned into like a hangover type movie. You know what I mean? Of just yeah. partying and stuff like that, which would have been entertaining, but not for the long life of the movie. But now yeah. when you have such a strong character as your lead in that, it becomes the story, the character behind it, his motivations as opposed to just the wild drugs and partying. Yeah, so I think it's also pretty cool to see what Jordan's doing now. Doing and like he's kind of like a 
a sales like Tony yeah. Robbins, yep. if you will. And it's pretty cool to see, but the uh, the pin scene I know for a yeah. fact was real too. Like sell me this pin. Yeah. So I mean, it it is cool to see uh, things like that on screen, and especially from someone. I mean, we're gonna say his name all episode because it's about him. But someone like Leo to put into fruition, and even though like that's happened, and like we don't know exactly how Jordan sure. did it or how he said it. I mean, that's still a pretty good adaptation. And I think that leading up to filming, Leo would like have hour long conversations with Jordan, just trying to like pick his brain, get into his mindset, pick up on how he talks and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) His preparation is unmatched. I mean, it's. Yeah. That's another thing. I think that's why, that's another reason why he is such a great actor. Absolutely. Yep. But. So number two, Wolf of Wall Street. Love that movie. It's it's such a good one. I could have seen it going high yeah. on my list too, but I'm a sucker for the twist. So number one for me, if you've listened to the last episode and if you've heard me talk before, you probably know what's coming. But number one for me is Inception. He plays the character of Dom Cobb. He, I mean, it's it's such a intricate movie that it's hard to explain to someone who's never seen it. So I'm not going to waste your time, but all I can say is it's it's one of those twist movies that even though it tells you what's coming, you don't realize it. Like you don't realize how many levels of detail there are until you've seen it about three or four times. Yeah, I this is something I've got to watch it. It is like the way I hear people describe it is in, you know, 15, 20 years this is going to be kind of like a cult classic type movie because one, I I'm fascinated with the idea behind what it's about. Um, obviously with Leo in it, who else is in it? Um, Gordon Levitt. You got Joseph Gordon Levitt, Tom Hardy, Ellen page. So a lot of, a lot of really good mercy. Um, definitely something I need to watch, but yeah, it's, it's just one of those interesting movies. Who directed that movie? Do you know? I believe okay. it was Christopher Nolan. Okay. And another another thing that I would say is that if you if you enjoyed the Matrix as much oh, as I, you oh, say I you loved did, it, you know I did. Then I I mean I can't I <laughs> I want you to record yourself <laughs> watching this movie because I want to see your reactions. Oh man! I, all right. <laughs> But yeah, so number one for me, Inception. No, no brainer. Probably not a shock to anybody who's listened to the last episode. Yeah, I had I already had that penned in, chiseled and something. Yeah. Um, my number one was on your list, Django. Wow! All right, I love it. You know, not not far off of mine. I had it number and, two. Yeah, again, he wasn't technically the leading character. Um. But it's it's just there was something about that character when you are playing such a villain, not just a villain in the movie, but a villain in society. You wanted to mm-hmm. hate him so much, and I'm not saying you loved him. He didn't turn into that character, <laughs> but there was something so captivating about his performance. 
just how dramatic he was, how committed to the role. Every, I mean, one, you got to love his accent. Just, yep. the, I mean, just the way he pulled that off is impeccable. But <clears throat> just his interactions with all the characters and it, again, not the leading guy in that movie, but the movie is, it, you put anyone else in that role, the movie does well. Jamie Foxx was great. Chris Waltz was really good. But Leo made that movie. Um, again, just something about the role. To me, the movie was a little bit slow, just kind of out there whenever he wasn't on screen. But every time he came on screen, you knew he just tied everyone together. I think that's a recurring theme with Quentin Tarantino movies is that upon first uh, first go through or first watch, you kind of miss things that maybe like you kind of tie in later yeah. on in the film. Not saying that you miss anything in the beginning without Leo, but I mean, in Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs or you know any of these other ones, if you watch it the first time. Go through it and see if you pick up on anything the second time, because I'm sure there's going to be something where you where you think it's like an aha moment. But yeah, Django Chain, it's such a good movie, and there's just Leo. There's just something. It never feels complete until he gives a face to the opposition, and I think that's what Quentin Tarantino yeah. does better than any other director is that there is all there's always good and bad just like there is in every movie but he always gives a singular face to the opposition and it's always right. a strong character and it's always a strong actor and I think that that's why he's such a great director but I think that's why Leo is in a lot of his movies that's what I was just getting ready to say. Like, I, I hope that this isn't uh, just Django and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I hope that's not the only collaboration between them two, because I I like Leo and Quentin yeah. roles because it's such. I mean, he's so used to playing strange, quirky, eccentric, all the words that we've been saying throughout this episode. Those kinds of roles that I mean, it just it molds perfectly into a Tarantino script. Yeah. No, that, absolutely. <clears throat> that yeah, so that's that's my number one. Any ten of these movies probably could have been um but yeah, it's just I love strong actor and I love characters that have some bite to them, but maybe a little bit kind of not explicit. You know I mean? Like obviously we know that in Django Leo's character is a monster. We all I mean that's inherently obvious. But you kinda when you kinda listen to him talk, he kinda like soothes you a little bit and draws you in and just makes you kinda really pay attention to the scene and understand those smaller details. Exactly. And so these are two really good lists. And I think if we took time to maybe go through and 
see the ones that we haven't seen yeah. and revisited this, revisited this list later on. Some things might move around. But for the listeners, let us know what your top five Leo movies are. Uh, send it in. Let us know. Uh, also, let us know what other uh, lists or what movies you think that we should review. Uh, we're always looking to see new things. It doesn't have to be things that we've seen already. Um, but thanks for listening, and we'll be uh, sure to get another episode out soon. So long.